Greetings, friends and colleagues. Welcome to the Thoughtful Teacher Podcast, the professional educator's thought partner, a service of OnCourse Education Solutions. I am Scott Lee. Today, we end the spring semester season of 2022 with a story about what student success looks like. But first, a quick reminder that the Thoughtful Teacher Podcast will return this September. I'm visiting with a lot of interesting people this summer, and this fall we will have a great lineup of guests you won't want to miss. Be sure and follow and keep up with the Thoughtful Teacher Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, or our website for updates. I also want to shout out to all the people I talked to recently at the Music City SEL Conference in Nashville, Tennessee. I enjoyed meeting so many people. And even though I'm not going to be able to attend this summer, I want to encourage anyone who can to go to the Reclaiming Youth Seminars in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, this July in 2022. I've attended several of these annual conferences, and I've always found them to be engaging and empowering. Find out more at reclaimingyouthatrisk.org. So back to today's topic. Since summer usually offers us those rare opportunities for meaningful reflection, I thought now would be a good time to consider something that I've been thinking about. Do you ever think about what success looks like for a student? Or how we know if a student has learned the things in school that lead to success? I know success is a long list. In addition to meeting academic goals, we know that we also have to teach the skills for students to be caring, empathetic, and civically engaged. And that's a big task. Over the last few years, teachers and schools are being asked to do even more than ever, often with no additional resources, and in many places with elected officials actively attempting to deprofessionalize our work. Despite this, if we're going to move forward professionally, we need to ask ourselves what success looks like for our students. Let me tell you a story that got me thinking about student success. I'm a board member for a local nonprofit performing arts group, and one of the things that we do is offer free performances in local city parks. During a recent performance series, one of the musicians we hired was a high school student, and one of the performances was a one-woman Bessie Smith retrospective show. The artist has thoroughly researched the life, music, and historical significance of Bessie Smith, but she also wanted to add an additional set of jazz and blues standards so that the show did not have to end with the untimely death of Bessie Smith. She brought sheet music for our high school-aged accompanist, but they had never practiced any of the music in this additional set together, and some of the songs the pianist had never played. The singer told the audience that this was essentially just a kind of a jam session, and the student had to figure out timing without using a metronome, intros, and key changes on the fly. He did an amazing job, and the audience appreciated it. But it also got me to thinking about Effective Teaching and Learning. This reminds me that students oftentimes do not have opportunities to practice what they are learning in school in an out-of-school environment. In this case, the student had the opportunity to practice the first two-thirds of the performance to a point where he was prepared. 
Then at the last minute, he was given a new performance task. He had to improvise in the moment. This is the way most of us are assessed in real life. How well do we use our knowledge and experience to operate and improvise in real time? Not only is being able to improvise and think on your feet important in professional situations, but this is also important in interpersonal relationships as well. So I had the opportunity to observe a student put his practice and learning to the ultimate test, what to do in a new, unplanned setting. This event also demonstrates several things that we want all students to be able to do. This student was able to use his knowledge and skills within a group and do so effectively. His calm performance enhanced the outcomes for the entire team. This team included not just the other performer, but also the production team as well. But let's also think about his own agency. He exercised agency in new territory. Public performance was not new to him, but the content and the situation was. His ability to exercise his personal agency and improvise led to success for the entire group. The other important consideration is personal interaction. I mentioned a calm demeanor, but he also interacted with respect and dignity in a stressful situation. Being able to do this is an important and often less considered part of the expectations that we attempt to teach students in school. The fact that he was able to handle the stress like this may not be something he only learned in school, but for many students, school is the safest place to practice responsibility, and resiliency. If we were using a traditional grading scale, there is no doubt that this student earned an A. So what does this mean for education in general? Listeners know that I advocate for meaningful structural changes in schooling, and this is an excellent example of why. How we measure success in schools should be more like the situation I witnessed a few weeks ago. We all know that if I had access to the student's last set of test scores, I would have no clue if he could act with agency in a stressful public performance or situation. Yet his teachers will receive no credit for the work they have done with him. Instead, they will be assessed on how he performed on a bubble test. They will get no credit for mentoring, for building relationships that motivated him, and helping develop the confidence for him to perform as he did. What would happen if a state education agency took such a demonstration into account when grading teachers or schools? After all, hospitals and clinics are regularly assessed, not only based on the care a patient receives while under direct care, but also the patient outcomes after discharge in many cases, many months, or even years after discharge. But until elected officials and policymakers decide to implement different data systems, one that include the use of real, meaningful assessments and markers for success, we have little chance of engineering schools that are ready for the 21st century. It is time for the decision makers to step up. Listen to us. 
those of us who are professional educators, those of us who understand assessment, those of us who understand learning and make use of our knowledge to make schools better. The Thoughtful Teacher Podcast is brought to you as a service of OnCourse Education Solutions. If you would like to learn more about how we help schools and youth organizations embed social-emotional learning within their cultures and implement strength-based restorative interventions, please visit our website, www.oncoursesolutions.net. This has been episode number seven of the 2022 season. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends and colleagues about it either in person or using social media. We also greatly appreciate positive reviews on the podcast app you use. The Thoughtful Teacher Podcast is hosted and produced by R. Scott Lee, who retains copyright and is responsible for content. Transcripts are available at our website, thoughtfulteacherpodcast.com. Underwriting and sponsorship opportunities or other inquiries may be made at our website, thoughtfulteacherpodcast.com. Please follow the Thoughtful Teacher Podcast on Twitter at Dr. R. Scott Lee and on Facebook at facebook.com Thoughtful Teacher Podcast. And I look forward to seeing you in the fall semester, September 2022. Proud member of the Podnuga Network.